Radio Shouty. I cut up the station. It's about that time for Fila. Most likely he a small fry if he was stamped by Beehive. It's one in one station only. They got the streets on fire. So please do not touch the dial. Cut with Fina, go live. Boy, Beehive Radio Shouty. And stepping in the building, I got the legend himself, Irv Gotti, in this thing. What's good with it, boss? Hey, what's up, hi? What's up? What's up? I'm good. Man, good, feeling good, feeling good, feeling great in this thing, Irv. Now, I mean, this new artist that you got on deck, JT, hey, I had a chance to marinate on some of his music, man. That video for Changes, oh my God. It's a, it's a duel, it's Changes and Robin It's a two-piece. Yeah. Two it was a whole movie. So, I mean, break that whole thought process down behind that when you said, you know, okay. You know, at first, everyone was like, God, are you crazy? These, the, how the new generation and how the music business is working, don't spend no real money on no video. But I'm like, man, we got to be different. And I got to show people that JT is a different kind of artist, and I'm trying to get them to feel him. So we went all out, and we made like a narrative movie that was set and built within his performance. Uh -huh. And we shot it out in Gary, Indiana, which was another important thing, because after I went out there, I just felt Gary, yo. Mm -hmm. If you've never been to Gary, Indiana, it's like, a very unique place. It's very, uh, first of all, it's a, it's a monster hood. It's hood like a mother, right? Yeah. But it's like hopeless. Like every block is like abandoned buildings, abandoned burnt down homes. You go on the main strip, it's abandoned businesses. And I was asking the people, I was like, yo, why don't people come fix this place up? I, I, it's probably could get it for cheap. It's probably opportunity. And the most common answer was that from the people at Gary, they was like, they don't care about us, Gotti. You know what I'm saying? They don't care about nobody from Gary, Indiana. So I felt a connection with it. JT has a deep connection with Gary, Indiana. So we shot the video out there. And it was crazy because while I was shooting the video, the people, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that Irv Gotti was shooting one of their own video right on the block that he grew up in. Mm. And the people was kind of overwhelmed. Yeah. And they got they got into it majorly. They were screaming things like, We love you, JT. And like, we with you, we with you. Like, like it was airy, and he became like the voice of mm. Gary Indiana and the hope. Like he yeah. gave hope to a lot of hopeless people. And they were just happy to see that somebody might make it out of Gary Indiana. So the video was very special to me. And it showed the whole feelings. I like that I've made JT act a little bit. Because, you know, you're going to see him with me so heavily involved in movies and TV. You're going to see JT in, in movies and television. He's not just going to be a hip-hop and a rap star. He's going to be a star. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? How the hell did you find him all the way in Gary, Indiana, got it? Okay, here's the story with that. This is the story with that. My nephew, Juwan, knew I was looking for talent, but knew I was looking for young talent that could rhyme and say something. Mm -hmm. He was messing with my now assistant, Jackson. Yeah. I mean, my assistant, he was talking with her and they was talking music. She's from Indianapolis and she was like, there's this kid, JT, and Gary, that's dope. Mm -hmm. Juwan, she puts him on to the music. He put it on to me, and, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I called him, I DM'd him, we spoke. I got him to Atlanta. 
the first day he comes to my studio to Atlanta, guy makes five songs in one day. <laughs> Ride or die being one of them. Oh. Yeah, he was just knocking it out. So then I fly, it was on a Saturday, I fly to Atlanta to come see this nigga on Sunday. <laughs> and we basically made his album in a week. Yeah, all of the songs you hear in the album was in that week of him at my studio and some existing songs that he already had that I loved. My God. Yeah, now he's I a good question. A Being around the likes of Jay-Z, Ja Rule, DMX, Ashanti, Lord, mm -hmm. all of these folks, you got an ear for talent and an eye for it as well. Yes, what I was do. it about JT that made you say, you know what, he's the one? Well. Well, with me, with all of the people that I've been blessed to be a part mm -hmm. of their careers and work with, right? Mm -hmm. Artists can't really pull the wool over my eyes, man. Like, what I mean to say by that is I've, I've, I've probably listened to thousands of artists, but I don't know what it is. Something tells me when, yo, that artist. And I already had in my mind, I wanted them to be young because the young generation is so dominant. Mm -hmm. And they're so anti-old generation, right? That I couldn't do it with an artist if they was 30 years old. I couldn't do it. I needed a young generational artist. Mm -hmm. So he fit that criteria. He looks, feels, everything like a young generational artist. But I didn't want a young generational artist that couldn't rhyme or hold the subject topic or say something. Mm -hmm. So when I heard his music and I heard him talking and doing songs, and making a song and having a topic and it really excited me. Yeah. I said, he got the look, he's young and he could rap and he could, he knows how to put these words together. Mm -hmm. So when I went and met with him and flew to Atlanta and we made another like five, six records in like a day or so, mm -hmm. I knew it. I was like, all right, I'm running. I got one, I got me one. Cause he's just as talented as the names that you name. Ooh. I, All right he, now, he's just as talented. And with me, I'm a beast. Let me tell you something, I'm a beast. I know who <laughs> I am, but I am a beast only if I'm around talent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm. I need the talent, or else I'm nothing. Mm -hmm. So once I got him, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's talented." I knew what I'm gonna sprinkle on him, and how I'm gonna shape and mold, and do what I do. Mm -hmm. And it's worked to perfection. I think, I think JT will be mentioned with the top rappers within 18 months. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that because that music is jamming and I already see 18, that you ain't playing with it. 18 months, if I feel like it, I could drop three fucking crazy albums if I wanted to. But in 18 months, maybe I'll limit it to two because each album is going to have like three singles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Each album is going to have three big records. So I got to give that record the, the room to, to be that record. So 18 months, you'll get two albums, maybe three. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and, and, and high quality. Well, I can already tell from the videos that the quality going to be all the way up I, there. I see, see what you just said, B.I.? And that's why when people was telling me, because these artists, for their first video, they shoot a $5,000 video. Yeah. Right? And just by you saying that, I feel vindicated on doing what I did because I said, I want people to see and know he different. Yeah. So we're not doing the regular thing. We're going to put thought, energy, money, 
everything to show people a product that they may not have seen from a young generational artist. That's right. You know, I spent a hundred grand on that video and I directed it. You know what I'm saying? And I put the energy in detail. Like you said, you was like, yo, it was a movie. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't no cheap shit. You know what I'm saying? So now that I got that thing, everything follows is going to be on that level. Everything that comes is going to be on that high level where it's like, yo, they put thought, they put energy. Like the album has skits. When's the last album from a, a new generational artist that has dope skits where you pop in the, well, pop in there. Like, well, you hit play on the streaming service. <laughs> I was going back to my, I'm an old head. So I'm thinking. I'm with you. CD, but you hit play on the streaming service and you can listen to the whole record and get a feeling and get a vibe. That's mm -hmm. what we did with JT. And that's what we will continue to do. Now for you, Gotti, coming from television and making all of this content, did that impact the way that you was approaching getting back into the music as well, having that TV edge to you now? I kind of wanted an artist that I could do multimedia, meaning I kind of wanted an artist who had a look. Mm -hmm. That's why I made JT act. I flirted with it just to see if I could give him some lines. Could he, could he pull off the acting? And he can. He's very natural at doing it. Mm -hmm. So what you're going to see is not just a hip hop star. You're going to go to a movie and he's going to be starring in it. You're going to see it turn on the TV and he's going to be starring in it. Whew. Like, so, and, and that's something that these rappers ain't doing really either. Like my generation, I'm the one, I know rough, if you've seen Rough Riders Chronicles, yeah. I stated it. I, I'm, I broke DMX as an actor, as a, I signed him as an artist, but I also knew he could act because X brings words to life. Yeah. Like, roll up. I'm trying to get high. Or, that's your man. That's your man. A yeah. regular dude would have been like, that's your man. That's your man. And wouldn't sound good. But X, that's your man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Regularly, he would say, roll up. I'm trying to get high. That nigga's roll up. <laughs> trying to get high. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you just listen to X talk, he's a movie within a movie because. Mm -hmm. He brings words to life. JT's very similar with that. When you listen to JT's records, he has great, what I call highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And these, this is something that I didn't even teach him. He just had it in him. Mm -hmm. He was doing a lot of shit in the studio that I usually have to tell rappers to do to make their shit sound better. And he was just doing it already. So I know he could act. Once he memorizes the words or whatever, he could get it and I could direct him and get him to that place emotionally where it needs to be. He's going to, he's going to shine on that screen. And that's something that none of these rappers is really doing. None of the new generation, like Pac, LL, Will Smith, DMX, like that generation, we was actively trying to pursue that. Yeah. I don't really see that with the new generation, with these artists or whatever like that, that they're not even pursuing the whole multimedia of entertainment that they could pursue. Yeah, no, those are facts. Those are facts. Now, Irv, change the game. <laughs> I got to get into your life story, Irv, because you're one of my favorite moguls in the game, okay? Thank you, man. One Thank of my favorites. Can you Thank take me you. back to day one being a DJ, realizing uh, that you had a love for music and you trying to figure out how you're going to get in the game? Well, I wasn't even thinking about the game then. I was like 11 years old, right? And yeah. my man across that lived around the corner from my crib, his name was Nick Chalmers, and his dad mm -hmm. had two turntables in the mixing. He liked Calypso. He was Trinidadian. 
So when his dad was at work, I would be on his two turntables in the mixer, learning how to DJ, right? And he had these two records called Shangri-La. Right? And he was like, Paradise is very nice. Paradise is very nice. <laughs> and if you could imagine, Vihar, I was yeah. 11 years old, and I was doing that. And I would do that for like six hours until he came home. And I would just be in there doing that shit, man. I was in love with it. Then when Run DMC dropped Suck MCs, I'm from Hollis, Queens. Yeah. When I bought those two records, you can forget it was I was nice too, Beyond, for real. I already know. Nah, I was, I was nice. So here, listen. So at 15 years old, we used to, the Jamaica Park was Hollis, Queens. Everyone used to go there. Mm-hmm. We, they would play music, right? So there's DJs and they DJ. 15 years old, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Park still got a couple thousand in there. No one would go home with the damn near the sun. So my brother gets this, this drug dealer named Kwasim, the big drug dealer in Hollis, Queens. My brother knew him. He said, Joe, let my brother get on. Let my little He was like, you DJ Shorty? I was like, yeah, I'm 15 years old. He picks up the rope, lets me come in there. He smacks the shit out of the DJ that was that was DJing. His name was Garfield. Like, smacked his head. Like, didn't, like, smack him, but, like, he knew him. So, but it wasn't a playful smack. It was, <laughs> pat, right? He said, yo, what's up? He said, yo, let's shorty get on, yo. So, boom, he gives me the headphones. He's quiet. He says, go ahead, shorty. Let's see what you got. Right? So, at the time, Run DMC, Rock Box. And at the end of one of the extended versions, Run, the, Run goes, Run, Run, Hollis, crew. Right? Yeah. So I knew it was a bunch of Hollis niggas in there, right? So I took a run, run, Hollis, crew, ha, Hollis, crew, ha, Hollis, crew, ha, Hollis, 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 My fucking hands become a blur. The part goes in like completely insane. Like completely insane. So after that, they go, Shorty, the park is yours. They said, Yo, you gonna come? They said, What's your name? I said, Irv. They said, DJ Irv. And they said, you go on DJ in the park. So from 15 to 19 years old in the summertime, I was DJ Irv in the park. And that's the the foundation of Irv Gotti. It's me because I built built up such a rep, I started selling mixtapes. Like before DJ Clue, before, and there was really blend tapes where I would blend R&B records with hip hop records. This is why I'm a dope R&B producer. When you listen to Shanti's first album, Mm-hmm. It's me just blending shit. Foolish is a blend with fucking Biggie with One More Chance. That's, yeah. like, that's all it is. Fucking Baby is is a Scarface record. Mary, Mary Jane. Jane. Right. Like, Happy was my ode to Mary J, my life's album, her all night long record. Mm. So Ashanti's whole first album was just my crazy thoughts of R&B. That's what I should have called it. Irv got his crazy thoughts on him. <laughs> Real Question, talk. Irv, how do you go from DJing in the park to working at Def Jam, though? Okay, there's a story behind that. So 
you see it if you watch the Rough Riders Chronicles, you've seen some of the story. Mm -hmm. Chad Elliott asked me when we was on road with Jay-Z and Jazz, he was my roommate, and he was like, yo, there's a group of dudes, they like that hip-hop shit just like you, you should fuck with them. He introduces me to DMX and Joaquin. I was like, they wanted me to be one of their producers. I said, cool, but I was like, yo, I need, I need a drum machine, right? Now, mind you, on, on the end, let me go back, on the road, on the tour, Mm -hmm. I learned how to make beats through Large Professor. Ooh. Yeah, Large Professor, it was, they was on tour with Jazz, UMCs, and Main Source. Right? Yeah. That, that was the tour. So every night, everyone would be in Large Professor's room, and this nigga would be making beats. So he had to do the remix to Slick Rick, It's a Boy. So he went and got some jazz records and something, and I watched that nigga make that shit in front of my face, and I was like, I got it. I got it. I know what to do. Yeah, he, yeah. Took, he took this jazz record and it was doom 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 right she was think he took it sampled it in the 950 and he filtered the shit so it was all fucking bass it was you didn't hear the high end he he filtered the bass out i said that's what they do yeah. And he took some drums. He had a drum, bah, ba-boom, bah, ba-boom. And he sampled half the bar just like that. Bah, ba-boom, bah, ba-boom. Then he sampled the snare. He put the snare on top of it by itself. And then he sampled the kick. And he basically tapped out the thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I got it. I got it. I know what they're doing. Yeah. I did a 950. He did it with a, a, a SB12, but the new drum machines with the MPCs. Mm -hmm. So I tell them, I said, Yo, I need an MPC 60. So they buy it for me. They go buy it for me. Now, mind you, I don't know how to work this machine. <laughs> so when they get to my crib, they get to my crib. Shut up. <laughs> they get to my crib. And I basically, yo, I ain't got the wires to hook it up. I said, yo, come back. <laughs> they said, all right, we gonna come back tomorrow. I'm on the phone. I call my man Jazz. Cause Jazz knows how to work. I'm Jazz, how the fuck I sample on this? How do I make a beat? How do I loop it? And Jazz basically walked me through it. Mm. My first beat was fire too. <laughs> my first beat I sampled, uh, the first beat I made was crack, yo. I sample mm -hmm. Prince if I was your girlfriend. <laughs> and, and what I used to blend that with, back to the DJ shit, Ooh. was make the music with your mouth did. So I sampled the bar that. So it was. This shit was hard. This shit. Word the mother, it could work today. It could yeah. work today. It could Another work. Another track, today. though. The first beat I made could work today. Can I live with Jay Z? Can I live with Jay-Z? Now, nah, hey, that, that, that thing. So I started making beats for DMX. We put out Make A Move. We put out records. Nothing was working. But the love and the brotherhood was there. So then I made uh, Shit's Real for Mike Geronimo. That worked. Mm. Scored me a deal with uh, Blunt TVT. But that was like, they wasn't ready for me. Because Blunt TVT was a new situation, a new label. 
I was a new dude. So I, I learned everything, but they wasn't ready. Mm. So that's when I got to Rockefeller because Jay was my brother since 87. Mm. So he seen me get Mike Geronimo's played and he seen me get Cash Money Click played, like in New York. So, you know, he brought me, he came to my studio. I met Dame and Biggs. He said, he's my partner, he's Rockefeller. And he basically said, yo, help me. You get your records played. How you get your records played? And I was like, well, I know everyone at Hot 97 with Funkmaster Flex being the main one. Mm -hmm. So he was like, help me. So I stopped what I'm doing and I, I became a part of Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. They had the record Dead Presidents, which was good, but Flex wasn't really banging that. But I heard Ain't No Nigga when after the day he made Ain't No Nigga with Foxy. Mm -hmm. So I had a copy of Ain't No Nigga and me, my man Prem and BJ, we used to ride around. We loved Ain't No Nigga. But they wasn't putting that out as a single. So I was like, yo, this is the record. This is the hit. So it took me like a week or so just pressing them to put it. They put it on the B side mm -hmm. of their presidents. And I always say that because that lets everyone know they wasn't thinking that that was the smash because yeah. it was on the B side. But they put it on the B side to appease me. And then they gave me like some white labels. Mm -hmm. And I brought, I said, Joe, come with me. I'm going to introduce you to Flex. I said, Joe, I know he likes cars and shit. So we gonna do, I had a Lexus, white Lexus, Jay had a white Lexus, Dame had the black Lexus, and Biggs had an accurate legend. So I said, Joe, 1372 Broadway was their address at the time. So Flex gets on at seven. I said, yo, meet y'all, we gonna go up there, meet up at 6.30. So we all there at 6.30, we got a hazards on, we looking right, you know what I'm saying? Flex pull up in his, he had a Lincoln, Mark 7, I believe. He pulled up in his car and he's looking like, what the fuck? But he knew me. Yeah. So he didn't see me. This before Irv Gotti. I was just Irv. Yeah. He said, Irv, what's up? What's up? I said, Flex, Fliggity, what up, my nigga? Because he had love for me. Yeah. So I said, yo, this is the hottest niggas in the city right now. I said, that's Jay-Z, that's Dame and Biggs, and they make up Rockefeller. And I said, Flex, what I got in my hand is a fucking earthquake, nigga. I got, I, and I knew, cause I knew Flex, I knew Flex liked the break beats. Mm, 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 mm. He's, a, he's, a, he's a DJ that likes to spin that. Mm -hmm. So I know he's gonna, at, even if he don't like the record, he'll like spin a jigga jigga. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Like I know, I know him. Yeah. Sure enough, I gave him shit. You know what I'm saying? He met them. He played the record like 20 times that night. And if you know Flex, Flex is like a unique DJ that he has the power and the autonomy. He, he'll play your record all night. Like from seven to 10, he's, he's got to play the program stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But 10 to 12, I've had, he played Get At Me Dog from 10 to 12. <laughs> <laughs> the only record New York City heard was Get At Like he had, and when he does that, it's like New York City knows, oh, this is going to go. Yeah. But it's kind of like other areas. Like when he did that, I'm not going to lie, from like Boston to Virginia, all followed suit. Okay. So when he did that with Ain't No Nigga, in my opinion, that night Rockefeller was born. I can because dig. after that, it was an avalanche. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm a part of the thing. And that's, I felt I was listening to his whole album and I wanted a record that personified who Jay-Z was, who yeah. personified Rockefeller, 
because they was rich niggas before the music, mm-hmm. right? So I was, when I gave him Can I Live, I was like, yo, just talk about who the fuck you are. You know what I'm saying? Talk about who you are. And that's exactly what he did. Did you feel like that project was going to go down in history as one of those albums and one of the greatest albums of all you know, time in hip hop? Knicks are making it. Hey, this is Kobe. This is my guy, Kobe. Was that Kobe? Kobe, say what's up. <laughs> Everybody loves Kobe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're in the mix of doing something and that becomes legendary, mm-hmm. you don't know it when you're doing it. Yeah. You know, I've been a part of a bunch of legendary shit. And I can honestly say that I didn't know it was going to be to that level. We just, you just, you just focus and concentrated on the work. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? You're not really concentrated. Yo, this is going to be legendary. You said you just focus on serving motherfuckers and doing something that they love that you don't think about it. It ain't until years later we're like, wow, we did some legendary shit. <laughs> wow, Take me to crazy. 87 though, Gotti. 87, you and Jay-Z, two young men just trying to figure it out. Did y'all look at each other and say, hey, man, we going to get there? Or did you... Could you see it then? I could tell you this. Me and Jay is is similar and we are extremely confident in ourselves. So I could say even in 87, I knew I was different. I knew I was special. I felt Jay was different. Jay was special. Like I felt like a unique dude. Just imagine before all these dudes got on, I had a connection with Jay-Z, DMX, and Jai. It was all like my brothers. And then to turn and help them all reach the pinnacle of success, like I felt very unique and very weird that God blessed me to be in all three of these guys' lives and to have a bond like this with all of them. You know what I'm saying? So I felt very weird and and unique. But in 87, I didn't know we was going to reach the levels that we did. But I did, if you ask me, did I believe we was going to be special? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When y'all find yourselves in the industry and everybody's at the top at the same time, what is that feeling like when you're thinking, I knew all of these brothers beforehand and now we all out here getting it? Invincibility, that's that's why the you know the feds got me. That's why I'll give you the story. My brother-in-law, he had somebody who worked for the feds, right? And they came to me before anything happened with the feds, and they told me, like, yo, the feds is watching you. They tipped me off. A guy tipped me off saying, yo, they, they, they're trying to build a case and they're watching you. But that feeling of invincibility, I was like, what they gonna watch? Me get a lot of, fuck a lot of bad bitches and get a lot of money. I said, tell them to keep watching. Come on, <laughs> come on, I'm, gonna get a, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fuck a new one tonight. See, see, see how they rate it from one to 10. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was ignorant. Like a normal person would have maybe changed some shit. A normal person probably would have went to Supreme and been like, yo, they watching us, we need to slow the fuck down or we need to do this or stop doing things. But it was that feeling of invincibility. I'm getting all of the money. JX and Ja is the top. What's stopping me? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's just the, the God's honest truth. What kind of pressure did you feel when you were feeling invincible and then the feds is on your ass now? when they started to lay the well, smackdown. 
what pressure, nigga? I'm facing 20 years of my life, nigga. Once they raided my office, my brother, my crib, my accountant's crib, it's real. <laughs> See you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you got to hire million dollar lawyers, it's real. When you fucking, they tell you you got to turn yourself in and you're getting indicted and you're going to have to face 20 years of your life and you in handcuffs walking, it's real. <laughs> So that feel of invincibility only comes down when you get hit and smacked in the face like that. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, not only that, but I got the Eminem and Dr. Dre backed 50 Cent, and he's coming at me. So as, as if 20 years facing the feds <laughs> isn't enough, you got the hottest rapper screaming, fuck you and fuck your label. <laughs> but you know what? I always talk about that because I don't run away from it because it's a true testament to who I am. It's yeah. a true testament for me to be sitting here talking, talking about a new artist, talking about tales and the fact I'm on season three, talking about the Supreme Team movie is going to be brought to you by Todd Phillips, the guy who made the Joker, you know what I'm saying? Ooh. Cooper. You know, Michael B. Jordan and other types of big stars, and I'm sitting here. So I talk about my past because you know you you see a lot when they say there's mistakes or anything. What you go through in life is a teacher, and it it is. Because I sit here before you, and I'm like, I'm way 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 iller than I was 20 years ago. That's right. I can see shit. Be how I can see shit coming from a mile away and dodge it, then I could process it, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm my best version of me. And uh, I truly believe I, I can't be stopped. I'm gonna, end up, I'm gonna end up doing some great, great things and leading hip hop culture to different ways. I have a gang of money, more money that I could spend and but more importantly, I think the legacy, I think people are gonna be, they're gonna give it up and be like, yo, he did it really, really ill. You know, they're saying that now, which is a good thing. After watching Rough Riders Chronicles, those that didn't know, they're like, damn, he has so much to do with not just X's music, but the, his movie career. Yeah. 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 I said, I, I hope they do a documentary on Rockefeller because they're gonna be like, damn, he really put it down for Jay and Rockefeller <laughs> as well. So then when you put it all together with Murder, Rink, they're like, damn, Gotti was a driving force of, of all of the music coming out of New York City, all of the top Jay, X, and Ja. Yep. I'm the one centerpiece. Exactly. And in each of their stories, you got to mention Irv Gotti. Facts, facts. Yeah, so I feel happy about that. <laughs> Got it. You should be because you wanted the ghost. Yeah. Your mental fortitude, man, doing those downtimes when you got 50 giving you hell, the feds giving you hell. How did you keep from snapping? Uh God. I got spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I didn't go to God asking God to get me out of these jams, right? Because I thought mm -hmm. that's bitch ass shit. Yeah. I was like, damn, I ain't been talking to God all this time. So now I'm in this trouble and now I'm gonna call God help me. So what I would say is I like God, whatever whatever you have meant for me, I'm cool. 
Yeah. Just, they just know that I'm with you and you with me. I was having conversations like that with God. And I just built an ill faith with God and I didn't really, whatever was meant, I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Even death, I said, if it's meant for me to get shot and killed, if that's what you, that's what you want, I just kind of totally submitted to his will. Yeah. Whatever he is with. And, you know, I got found not guilty. And I'm really on a yellow brick road right now. I'm telling you, I'm doing, JT was the last blessing because I was praying to God. I said, God, give me one more. (laughs) A lot. I said, give me one more because I want to serve the world again. Mm -hmm. I want to have the top rapper in the world again. Mm-hmm. And he blessed me. He blessed me with JT. Straight up, he blessed me. JT and Ja Rule. When you came out there with that boy Ja Rule and that man came with hit after hit after hit after hit, what was that run like for Murder E? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Would you see little Kobe? This guy's tiny, right? I'll get him. Let me go. I'll get him. You you ain't getting that shit. That sounds like a big ass dog back there, Kobe. Got, listen, we have. I told you, it's my mom's brother. So I, it's like I got a dog house right now. Everybody bought their damn dog, right? But it's all good. But uh, the question that you had, like, what what was it in hit that moment? after hit after hit oh, with John Rule on that run? Let me give you this. Rule 336, Jaws album, Rule 336, mm-hmm. is my greatest work I've ever done. Because here I am a part of Jay-Z and Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z sells with Hog Not Life, I Give Him Can I Get Her, which was Jaws' record that I gave to him. He sells eight, nine million albums. He's, he, he flirts with diamonds. I do DMX. I sign DMX. It's dark and hell is hot. Seven million worldwide. We drop flesh in my flesh. So the two biggest rappers in the game that I helped had a hand in in creating and making who they are mm-hmm. is now in my way. Ooh, wait a minute. You have someone like DMX who's like Jaws taking my style, which he wasn't. So he's bombing on Jaw. So when I make rule 336, every little thing that we do, don't, 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 should be between me and you. Where would I be without you? I only think about you. If I cry, you cry. Both Jay-Z and more importantly, DMX. I, I went to X, I said, nigga, I played, you'll never make these records. So stop saying my man is like you, stop, stop. Stop. But if you know X, X don't like any rappers. <laughs> X will laugh with you, joke with you. Tell him that you rhyme. He's at you. That's just his competitive driving spirit that that microphone belongs to me. No one else. So when I made 336, I was like, nigga, y'all niggas would never make these records. And I was saying that to X. You'll never make, where would I be without you? It's not you. And when that album came out, went number one and fucking sold like seven million worldwide, 
it's my greatest work. It's my greatest <laughs> work. Then we Amazing. did the I'm Real record. Then it was just a hit spree after mm -hmm. that because now I had a sound that I've created that was my very own sound. You understand? So that was my greatest work, in my opinion, ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My greatest work ever. So, yeah. you understand? So when you have a sound, when you go in the studio, you kind of know what to make. You kind of know what's going to what's gonna serve the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I knew how to serve the world. Another question though, Gotti. <clears throat> I was talking to Jay Prince and he was telling me about you, him and Shug coming together back in the day trying to crank up a distribution label, man. It wasn't, it wasn't so much of a distribution label. Mm -hmm. It was more brilliant than that, honestly. It was in every form of entertainment you have a union mm -hmm. basketball has a union football baseball all sports have a union workers have unions who you know for the makes the movies if you're a cameraman it's a union if you're direct union you're an actor you're a union music business didn't have a union so what we was trying to organize was a way to form a union mm. and basically we was going to take 10 percent of every artist's deal. So if you was a, 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 a guy, you got a million dollar deal, a million dollar recording fund. We would tell them the label, the record label to make it a million one. Mm. So we'll take no money from you, but the label will pay and then recoup it from the artist. Mm. But that's a hundred thousand. Now with that hundred thousand, you would have health benefits. You could go get your family, you and your family could go get health, dental, you go get your teeth fixed and you'd have, insurance coverages, yeah. which you don't have now. You'd also have an annuity. Mm. So if you're an artist that went on like a 10, 15 year run, there may be a couple million in that annuity. So now you wouldn't be as fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you ain't got five cars, but you got two, you still got your home <laughs> or whatever like that. And you got a little retirement money. Mm -hmm. So it was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. but. I think the powers that be seen us three black men coming together and trying to do something. And that's when shortly after that's when the feds started fucking with all of us. Start fucking with me, start fucking with Shug, start fucking with, they've been fucking with Prince. Yeah. You know what I'm saying so it, it kind of slowed it down, but I still think to this day, it's a brilliant idea. And mm -hmm. I think artists should try and formulate that and get someone to run a union. Mm -hmm. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Why not have a thing? And it's, and you ain't going to think about it. So if you have a deal and you're getting a 2 million fund, 10%, 200,000, 2.2, the, the, the major play, pays it. It goes towards the 200, goes towards the annuity. Mm -hmm. Who cares if you got to recoup instead of 2 to 2.2? If it's going something that's going to help you, then now your son could go get, go see a doctor. Thanks. You see what I'm saying? Like right now, we gotta pay. Mm -hmm. If you don't buy insurance or some type of coverage, every time you go to a doctor, you gotta pay. Now some visits is cheap, but some visits may get pricey. Come on. <laughs> you may want that coverage, yo. Exactly. <laughs> you, know that's real. you got to get your teeth fixed or, or something like, it just made sense. But the most important thing was the, you know, if you got it in a pension type plan and a 401k, 
100,000 here, then your next album, 300,000. Next thing you know, you collecting interest, you're not even thinking about it. So 20 years later, they say, oh, your annuity that you had with the, your union, it has $3 million for you. That may save your ass. <laughs> Shit, come on. Let me, I'm gonna be honest with you too. Mm-hmm. Suge Knight, Suge Knight loves being a gangster and that's his downfall. Because he's one of the smartest businessmen. He just knows the game. He knows business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the smartest dudes, man. People get people get it twisted because, you know, he's a gangster and he likes being a gangster. He likes doing the bullshit that he be doing. But if he'd have just left that alone, his brain, his brain, he's ill, yo. I'm telling you right now, I've learned so much and so many things off of Suge Knight. Of just me and him kicking it. He said, nah, got it. You know, you could do it like this. This is how you could ask for it. And I sit there and listen to him. And I go in and readjust the things that I'm doing and ask, like, using what he says. And that shit will work. That shit will work. I'm telling you. And he gets a bad rap. Ah, oh, got it. You just like sure because you be fucking with them gangsters. You like them Nigga, I like good people. Thanks. And, and, you know, sometimes good people comes in the form of Kenneth Supreme Griff. Sometimes good people in my, how they deal with me, comes in the form of Suge Knight. Yeah, yeah. So I know him for this and all of the antics he do. I know him another way. Mm-hmm. Dude is nothing short of brilliant, man. Like Jay Prince. Jay Prince is... Jay Prince is really the most influential guy in the South. If you, have, if you talk to Cash Money, you talk to No Limit, Jay Prince, right? Yeah. But really, he's not just influential in the South because he was one of the first to have a distribution deal and to own all this shit and to be the boss of Rap-A-Lot and the whole thing. So when I speak to him, he has a whole different mentality on things. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. That's just nothing short of brilliant. So that's why, again, I, when, I, when I sit here before you, it's like all of these conversations and all of these things and all of these life experiences I had have has made me a very smart guy. <laughs> that's why I told, I told, when I got with JT, I said, this is crazy because he's a young artist. I said, all you need is me. Mm-hmm. I told him from the door, I said, all you need is me. I said, I know everything. I know exactly how to take you from zero to a billion dollars. And I do. I know exactly what to do. You can't get a billion dollars if you're a rapper. This is to all you rappers. Put it close. If you (laughs) want to be a billionaire, if you're a rapper and you want to be a billionaire, know that your hip hop thing is just the start. If you want to be a billionaire, you need to start a company or a brand that relates to you that could be successful. It's very, isn't it very crazy that Kylie Jenner has more bread than fucking Beyonce? Right? But that should tell you. And the Beyonce's probably a half to a Billy, right? Yeah. But her little kip, lip kit or whatever. So that should tell you. Why is Jay-Z a billionaire? He's a billionaire because of rock clothing. He's a billionaire because of title. 
He sold that bitch. He, he bagged up, what, 200 million from Sprint. He paid 56 for it. He bagged up a, all of that. Now he still owns 66% and he's free rolling. Doucet, you know what I'm saying? His liquor, Ace of Spades. If you want to be a billionaire, you have to start a brand and create a company that gets that is evaluated at something. You see what I'm saying? If you just you Drake is by far the most successful rapper, but they don't talk about Drake as a billionaire. Drizzy probably got a couple hundred. You know what I'm saying? But he needs to do some out other than music to get to to the Billy. Exactly. When you speak of folks like Jay-Z going for that Billy, what do you think it was that drove him to the Billy to make him just say, you know what, let me find different ways to get money. Is it a sport to him or is it just a drive or what? Jay-Z's a hustler, y'all. Jay-Z sold crack, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the essence of who he is. The essence of who he is is a hustler, a go-getter, one yeah. who gets to the money at the highest level. So as a hustler, he says this in, in his rhymes. He says, you know, what did he say? He said, if you would have asked me if I'd have sold jeans in my, not in my right mind, not in this lifetime, nigga. But he said, but that's the difference that between me, I open up, open the market up. So even though he didn't know, he's a hustler. How much yeah. can I get? <laughs> oh, we can, what? That, we can get that? I'm in. And not only am I in, I'm going to master it. I'm going to do it better than all you. They hustlers, man. Diddy, Diddy's a hustler. Yeah. He's a hustler, yo. You know what I'm saying? So hustlers don't stop until they achieve their goal. And their goal is far bigger than the average person. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Can you speak to the relationship between the streets, gangsters, music, and the feds all at the same time, man? Because I can only imagine, and then the money on top of it. Well, here, here I, I, I always like to say Beehive is this. Mm -hmm. Hip-hop and hip-hop culture is the greatest thing that's ever happened to black people, even more than sports. Mm -hmm. Because sports, if I'm not 6'6 with a wicked jump shot, I'm dead. With, with hip-hop, I could manage a nigga. I could be an engineer. I could be a producer. Mm -hmm. Like, I ain't got to be athletic. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even got to have no skills. I just got to become the friend of a rapper and manage them or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you look at hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. In the 80s, if you sold drugs and you asked the drug dealer, what's your five year goal? Nigga would be like this. What's wrong with you? I'm selling, I'm getting it, nigga. I'm selling drugs. <laughs> so what happened in the 90s, we had so many easy E's and Death Row and fucking cash money, no limit. And these guys came from the streets and was, was drug dealers, basically. Mm -hmm. But now they're worth $100 million because they built a successful company. So what happened in the mindset of a drug dealer is ask that drug dealer the same question in the 90s. Yo, what's your five-year goal? He going to be like, nigga, I'm going to get me, I'm going to like, Five million, ten million, and then I'm going on fucking sign this artist or do this or do something, get a studio. I'm gonna buy some with niggas. It's not. It's no longer does black people want to just sell drugs, mm -hmm. or at least the smart ones. 
They're going to dive into another business. They may start a tech company or whatever, fund some tech nigga. They're going to do something to try and, and get out of that and become legitimate. Yeah. And I give hip hop culture 1 million percent credit for showing people, showing our people that and, and they could see examples of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming out of Queens with it, man. What are your thoughts about the recent developments about Jam Master J? I love the recent developments of Jam Master J. It puts closure to his death. Yeah. I'm saying Jay was a monsterly loved legend. Like with Run DMC, Jay was in the hood the most. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You would see Jay the most in his 560 Benz, four door with the hammers. You know what I'm saying? I love this car. You know what I'm saying? And he, you would see him the most and he interacted with the hood the most. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was just a flat out love dude. So when that happened, very similar to like Nipsey, because Nipsey was so loved and why would you kill this guy? He's, everyone loves him. He's a great person. Mm-hmm. Jay had the same shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So all these years later, when they said they had thing, I was happy about it. Yeah. yeah. Have, he, him and his family could have some type of closure. Exactly, exactly. After beating that Fed case, Gotti, what was it like for you saying, you know what, I'm gonna take a slick break for a second and regrouping this thing? What were you doing during that time? Breathing. <laughs> I was, after the feds, I was with Universal Motown. I was with them for like two years. And then I just said, I need a break. Mm-hmm. I just stopped, right? Yeah. And I was just a person again. I was playing a lot of poker, mm-hmm. but I was thinking. And everything that you see now is all the thoughts that I had then. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just executing all of my thoughts that I had. I, I call it my sabbatical, right? So I took like a three to five year sabbatical. And then I start saying, all right, I want to get back in. But now I want to do TV and film. I didn't want to do music. But then once I conquered TV and film and created a hit TV series with Tales, which I'm now shooting the third season, it was like, okay, music. You understand? Yeah. Once I had TV and film going and they was respecting me and I got it going, I was like, I need to do music again. And that's when I start looking and that's when JT fell in my lap. Being a creative, okay, creating music all of this time and just really putting it down for the culture. How do you feel now knowing that now your personal life is content for you to reap money off of in the future too, just telling your story of creation? Listen, that was all part of the plan on the sabbatical because I couldn't sue the government. Yeah. You know, they, they robbed me of, of hundreds of millions of dollars by doing what they did, but I couldn't sue them. You can't sue the government. So the only thing I could do is benefit from the stories that they gave me from coming after me and me beating them and everything like that. So you're going to see documentaries. You're going to see a murdering TV series. You're going to see a Supreme team movie. So Mm -hmm. basically I'm going to generate hundreds of millions of dollars off of my story, Mm -hmm. which is what a smart person would do because I can't sue them for a hundred million dollars. So that's here in lies all of my stories of now I'm turning into big checks. Exactly. Two questions before we get up out of here. The first one, what would you tell DJ Irv if you could go back and talk to that man in the park? Wow. 
Wow. Uh, here's the things that popped in my head. Uh-huh. I would tell DJ Irv, when, that, when they tell you that the feds is coming, believe them, right? The other thing that I would probably tell a young DJ Irv is, let Atlantic Records sign 50 Cent. <laughs> <laughs> Because I blocked the nigga till he fell into M and Dre's lap. Damn. Are you serious? Yeah, labels would call me, and I was so hot with I was just the hottest thing thing. So I'd be like, yo, if you fuck with him, I ain't fucking with you. And they were like, we ain't fucking with him then, Gotti. Forget it. <laughs> so I should have let some of them bullshit ass labels or not bullshit labels, but just not labels with M and Dre behind them. Exactly. He had a deal with Sony before he, you know, mm -hmm. wasn't moving like that. You know what I'm saying? I blocked that nigga into a dream situation. I couldn't. God's plan. I hate to say it. It's God's plan. <laughs> it is. That's all God's plans. It's God's plans for this, for whatever's happening now and everything like that. But you asked me if I could go back in the future until I'd have said, yo, play it right. Yeah. Like, see, the herb I am now. I would be like, yeah, sign him, knowing that ain't nothing gonna happen with him over there. Mm. Yes, yeah, sign him, all good. Now this leads me to another question. How the hell have y'all been able to keep up this feud for so damn long? Well, it's a testament to how big we was, I think. I think it's just a true testament, and I think it's also a testament to how people were so deeply involved mm. and really felt it or whatever like that, that they won't let it die. They just won't. Anything that I do, I see in my comments, they'll comment something 50 cent or, or whatever. You know, anything he does, I see they comment, nah, or oh, you this or you that, and they'll at me and at Ja. And it's all good. It's, it's entertaining, I guess, to the people. And it's all good. But I'm not, I'm not really, I have so much things that I'm doing my brain doesn't have any space in it to just even think about the guy on what he's doing or thing. I'm so focused on what I'm doing and the win and to get to that Billy mm -hmm. that that's where my mind is. But I understand and I get it. Mm -hmm. Lastly, advice for the next Irv Gotti coming out of the hood trying to figure out how they can achieve what you achieve. Go hard and you better have real passion and love for what you're doing. If you're trying to be the next Irv Gotti, Irv Gotti has passion and love for everything he does, which makes me go so hard for it, which makes me able to speak passionately about it because that's how I really feel. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to be the next me, you better one, love what you're doing, whichever, whichever field you're trying to conquer, you gotta love it, love it, love it. And then two, are you really ready to put in the work and mm -hmm. like overtime, overtime? Like I'm what I'm what you call a lifer. I don't have office hours. Mm. I just go. I'm going. That's right. If whatever needs to be done, I'm going. Exactly. So if you ain't got that love and passion, you ain't gonna be here, got it. <laughs> Let me jump in here with one more too, because I forgot this one in my notes. When Nas and Jay-Z got into it, man. What was that like when Jay was your man and you know a Nas and all hell is breaking loose in New York? It's one of my biggest regrets is trying to sign Nas. Nas is my man. 
and Nas my friend, and this is no disrespect to him, but Jay was like, I've known Jay since 87. Mm -hmm. With me, when I did that, it caused a great strain with me and Jay. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have did that. I should have held my friendship in a bigger regard than what I did with trying to sign up. Like, I made super ugly. I made super ugly with <laughs> And two months after super ugly, Nas is in the studio making the pledge, and I'm trying to, you know, sign Nas. So it was a bit, that's, that's something I regret. If I could tell young Irv, I would be like, don't do it. Just, just, keep, just keep Nas as your friend, but mm -hmm. don't do that. Mm -hmm. I yeah. definitely dig it. Well, Irv, man, appreciate you so much for your time. We'll get JT on next once we get his his thing situated. We'll get him on with you and y'all can just talk with yourselves too. But yeah, yeah. he's a dope artist and he's coming, I believe, in a one million percent. He's mm -hmm. gonna be one of the big ones.